The New York Metros, yuck. What a horrific end to the season for the Metropolitans. The Amazons weren't so amazing down the stretch. So I guess we'll talk a little bit about, you know, what we saw, how to fix it. I don't know. Well, maybe a mini early knee jerk reaction, premature prediction for 2023. I don't know, but I, I will say it is going to be a downer. There's, there's, there's one upside. I'm going to tease that. We like that. Let's talk Mets. I really don't want to. I basically wanted to pull a Bin Laden. Not all the other uh, terrorist type stuff, but just like hole up in a cave for a good two decades after that. Because all we heard from, I mean, I think it was like July on was, look at the Braves, look at the Braves, look at the Braves. The Braves are catching ground, they're getting, catching ground. Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. It's only a matter of time. And yeah, the, it, it turns out that the Braves were able to uh, sweep us, which is the worst possible scenario they could ever have. It's like if we could just win one of those games, I think we uh, we have the tiebreaker, I believe. And so we can end up tied with them and we win the division, get some much needed time off and go into this uh, NLDS refreshed, rested and uh, play the kind of baseball that um, a re-energized form of baseball because it just looked like coming down the stretch towards the tail end of September that we were just limping to the finish line. I mean, you know, losing two or three to the Nats Labor Day weekend, swept by the Cubs. I mean, just not playing great baseball against really subpar below average teams. Marlins, you know, losing one to the A's. Like, this is a handful of games that if you win one or two of them, we're not not a wild card or a division winner. And so that ultimately, I think, really contributed to um, us having an early exit from the postseason. It's like 101 wins and it just doesn't mean anything. That's why the baseball gods in the sport of baseball is cruel. There is no crueler sport on the planet than baseball. You think about it. I, I can imagine you go undefeated in the regular season in the NFL, 17-0, you get bounced in the division, uh, divisional playoff. Yeah, that stinks. Okay, that hurts. I can only imagine. You are the number one seed in the NBA you have like uh you put up like chicago bulls 97 was it 96 numbers or 70 wins 60 60 plus wins and you get bounced in the second or first round yeah it hurts nhl i mean name out of the other sport and you you have the third or fourth best record in the freaking sport and you can't get a buy and you get bounced uh two or three in the wild card i mean uh, at least they expanded the wild card to best of three can you imagine if it was a one game playoff and we lost that game, I would I would jump off the roof. <laughs> it's like, at least we got two more games to try and like make it right. And at least we can, you know, try and make it happen. Um, but, and this is the first, I think this is the first season where there is no uh, one game playoff tiebreaker. It's like they just went by head to head, which makes sense, I think. And the Braves own that 9-8, I think, or something like that. So they they went a division, even though they finished the same record with us. We go into this uh, series against the Padres and, you know, our pitching, our top aces, our top three pitchers, we, we were able to line up against the Braves didn't pitch that great against them and I know that the final scores don't look like blowouts but it, they kind of felt like blowouts that's about as deflating as you can get and then Mad Max's old ass gets on the bump and decides to give it the most home runs given up in Mets postseason history four and there's all these analytics and stats about if you lose game one of the series most likely you're going to lose the series so it's got, got that going on in my head didn't look great and I had concerns about coming in you know if you listen to pre- previous episodes I had my concerns about the Padres and Cardinals just like a lot of other teams did you know I, I just don't I didn't want to face either one of those teams because those teams even though they didn't put up tremendous regular seasons are dangerous like the specifically the Cardinals are dangerous in the postseason and then and then they get swept by the, by the Phillies <laughs> 
who were like not a lock to make the postseason were battling for that final wildcard spot with the Brewers. You know, it's almost like if they lose a game here or there, like they're not even in the postseason. They go in and they sweep the freaking Cardinals at St. Louis. And then they just took um, the, the game one of the NLDS against the Braves in Atlanta. Cool, man. Cool. Like, that's why I, I don't want to play 162 games in the regular season anymore. That's just too much. Cut it in half. Like, why can't it just be the same length as the NBA or the NHL? Because the like it's twice the length, but it's eight million million times more painful when you get eliminated in the first round it's it's heart wrenching dude my soul has left my body have fun soul wherever you are i mean you do you darvish pitched well but we had guys on base we just couldn't move them along couldn't get them in you know and as much as you want to believe what these guys are saying in the post game lindor uh, alonzo oh yeah we're excited for tomorrow and then coming out and and they can act chill maybe look chill in post game on the field they look like they're pressing hard you know swing at balls out of the strike zone, not working the count. What happened to that brand of baseball? I mean, that's what got us so many wins in the regular season was working the pitch count. And they did that in game two. Um, I forget who was starting for, was it Sanchez? Someone like that for the for the Padres in game two. It was like, they worked the count. I mean, that one inning took an hour, almost 43 plus minutes 43 45 minutes usually you get like three innings in that time span so um you know you didn't see that in game one or game three they're just pressing and pressing and pressing and uh, game three was i mean that's gotta be the most disheartening elimination game i've ever seen or ever been a part of i mean as soon as san diego takes that two run uh lead early first inning i want to say i was like game over and i think a lot of people were saying that game over dude if we score first we win if we're leading in the eighth inning we win if we do not score first and we're not leading in the eighth you can probably put it in the books not in our favor you can, you can dial up an l um but i mean I, you know the grounds performance in game two very similar to what he put up in an elimination game against the dodgers in 2015 so you know that that was somewhat having that similar performance made you think okay well now we're on the right track you know now we got a good performance from Degrom. maybe bassett's taking notes in the dugout and instead no bassett comes out you know it, you can talk the talk dude you gotta walk the walk you didn't you didn't pitch well against atlanta you didn't pitch well against San Diego same with Matt and that's that was the big the big concern for me coming into the season was our number one and number two are some aging pitchers like dominant pitchers in their heyday and their prime and even through the first however many months of the season but this is this was the the worry about Scherzer was like when it comes to September October is he going to be just at the same level he was in April May June July and he wasn't not even close and it was tough watching a lot because the the relievers that came in in game one it was May Lugo pitched well I thought for the most part and in game two you know um, they decide to bring in Diaz in the seventh and then put him out for the eighth, which is just like a wild move, especially after he's been sitting there on ice for 43 minutes while we put out put up that epic inning. But then you watch Ottavino load up the bases because he just is not being aggressive. Just throw strikes, dude. You're up 7-2? Throw strikes. Enough of this slider bullshit that's missing the strike zone. Like, just throw strikes. You know, 7-2, you got to come in and just attack, attack, attack the strike zone. And, instead, there, and, and it happened with a couple of the other relievers in game three as well, where it's just like, we keep going around the plate and not really catching the corners and getting too cute with pitches. Just attack, dude. Attack, attack, attack. I mean, this, this Grisham dude, one of the weirdest stat lines I've ever seen on a player ever. How the fuck do you bat 184 for an entire season, but you have 17 home runs and 54 RBIs and your OPS plus is 83? That literally means that every hit that you get is scoring a run, which is pretty efficient. <laughs> it's just like, okay, so you almost 
almost never get on base, but when you do get a hit, it scores runs. It's wild. And he murdered us. A fucking eight hitter murdered us. I mean, say what you will, say, say what you will about Daniel Murphy's run in 2015. Completely unexpected. At the same time, I don't think he was an eight hitter who had a horrific regular season. I mean, Murphy had a decent regular season. Just preposterous. It just, it, it's just unbelievable. But I mean, you as a Mets fan, you had to prepare yourself for this with the Padres series. After seeing what the how we came out like so flat against the Braves, it was like, oh, uh, you know, it would be one thing if we go out against the Braves and we fight hard and we lose in the last inning by a run or something like that. It's like, all right, we put up a good fight. We did not really put up a great fight again in that Braves series. And other than a couple innings in game two, we really didn't put up much of a fight against the Padres. <laughs> so, I, you know, I personally, I tweeted this out and, I, you know, no one liked it. And I, I, yeah, I get it, you know, because it's, 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 people are still very fragile, you know, and I decided to pour salt and I apologize, but I don't know how you can go into the 2023 season with Scherzer and DeGrom as your one and two. Maybe that's a hot take. I don't know. And sure, they're going to give you great months of pitching for majority of the season. But when it comes down to the wire, remember we said, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. When you can't finish, that's not great. So I'm going to I'm gonna propose something. Now, Scherzer had a huge contract, I get it. And you don't want to spend that much money on what effectively could be a reliever. So yeah, I'm going to go there. Chris Bassett's not a three. DeGrom's not a two or one. Scherzer's not a one or a two. So now you're looking at, I think Bassett's your five. <laughs> I think DeGrom and Scherzer are your three and four. And you might even consider throwing one of those guys in the bullpen. Maybe even both of them. And I know that, hey, I get it. You can roll your eyes. You can be like, turn me off. I get it. It is a radical suggestion. But I would rather have workhorses. Like the version of DeGrom and Scherzer in their late 20s, early 30s. That can throw... <laughs> 200 innings in the regular season. And, you know, I'm talking about 2001 Arizona Diamondbacks, Randy Johnson, and uh, Kerr. Kerr Chilling. Wow. Brain fart. I'm getting old. I'm past my prime. I am Max Scherzer at this point. I need to, to send me out to pasture. So you need that kind of duo. And they're not, I mean, if they, if we're talking about five years ago, they are that duo, but they're, it's not 2022. And I honestly think that you have to look at fatigue and your arm getting tired and you only have so many innings in the those arms. I really do. I don't think they are Cy Young caliber anymore. I think they either can function as a three and four, um, which, uh, you know, in the postseason would then go to the bullpen or you just you say, let's have the most electric bullpen in MLB history. I'm talking Scherzer seven, DeGrom eight, Diaz nine. You can't beat that. And they could go back to back to back to back three, four games in a row. I think you could do that. Yeah, it's crazy. Absolutely insane. I'm a maniac for even suggesting. But I think if you could get workhorses that can give you six innings of quality ball from April 1st to September 30th, and then can give you kind of that same level of five, six innings of respectable uh, outings, you know, and I'm not even asking for a Musgrove or a Darvish. I don't think I'm asking for like a, maybe a step below that. Just guys that can give you innings like a Bartolo Cologne that, you know, he was not really uh, wowing us when he was with the Mets, but he was just eating innings, just eating them up, dude, and wasn't collapsing when it, when the chip, when, you know, it mattered most. That's why I, in, you know, Bassett Scherzer was definitely, I think of the three was the most debilitating and frustrating. Cause it's like, dude, you, so you're going to put up that kind of performance. And then in the post game, say, if you get another chance, it won't go down 
down like that. This was your second chance, you fuck face. You had the chance against the Braves. You blew it. We needed you then. You didn't come through. This was your second chance against the Padres to totally redeem yourself. And you blew it even worse. And then you wanted a third chance? So I, that was that, you know, and I'm sorry I called him an F face. That was not, that, I apologize. But come on. You can't say that after that performance. You can't say if I get another chance. Well, you're not going to get another chance. <laughs> And I, I don't want to give you another chance next year. That's how much that performance, those two performances, last two performances affected me. Where I'm now willing to say that you're not a one or a two. At best, you're a three, maybe a four. Um, and we might even think about throwing you in the bullpen and have the most shut down bullpen in, in Major League history. Um, and like DeGrom, is DeGrom going to be a guy that you can throw out there for seven innings, a, a, an outing, double digit strikeouts, maybe in the first couple of months. But this is not, he's not going to give you that for a full season. And it's not going to be like that in the postseason anymore you saw it in the final three or four starts that he had this guy will give you five good innings to great innings and then will somewhat implode in the sixth and you're getting to the point where i mean like that game two it's like he came out firing the ball 100 miles per hour average on his fastball for the first two three innings and then legitimately was not throwing any fastballs for the for four five and six innings it was all sliders and change-ups and that change-up was not doing anyone any with any favors it was just the slider that was on point so the fastball was his third pitch so it's like if that's the logic and if that's how it's going to play out well then why start him why not bring him in either as middle relief or he can be a optional closer he's closer 1b or he's your setup guy and and it's not going to be an issue because you're not going three innings of throwing 100 miles per hour you're going maybe back to back to back days of throwing 100 miles per hour just a thought hey put down the cross put down the nails put down the hammer all right i don't need to be crucified just yet just stewing it for a little bit just the marinate just for a little bit because I don't think you can go back into 2023 thinking that DeGrom and Scherzer are going to bounce. They're now a year older and they're going to, this was a, an anomaly and it wasn't a trend to be, to raise any flags over. I'm like, I think they're on the downward trajectory. So in order to maximize their contracts, but even their bodies at that age, you got to start thinking outside the bun. All right. Um, I don't, but Bassett doesn't feel like a three anymore. I mean, that kind of bullshit that he pulled during the season. And I'm, I'm sorry to say BS because it's all fun and games when you're winning. Okay. And you're like messing with the opposing batters with like, oh, the pitch com. Like I can't hear the pitch com. I can't hear the pitch com. And like, maybe that's your way of playing mind games and getting into the head of the hitters and pissing them off and then they get frustrated and they're swinging at balls they shouldn't great san diego comes out with the pot the, the friars the fathers come out with a just an <laughs> incredible response to that which is i'm just going to call timeout at before every pitch and then like get him out of his rhythm and like and and you know he's having problems with the pitch come and then compounded by the fact that he's about to get into his wind up as uh, after he finally gets the pitch that he wants and then them calling timeout you can't say it didn't affect him and you can't say that it didn't affect you dude i mean it did but it's like all the quotes that coming out of Chris Bassett like this is you know this tough guy talk and then they come out in, in a like elimination game where you have to be at peak performance top form from the first pitch and you don't and you're hanging curveballs and uh you know it's just you know piss poor against the bottom of the lineup 789 which the 789s were doing more damage than the than the meat which is insane so I mean I I I think before game three I was said if uh and I told this to my cousin because uh, he's a Padres fan now that he's been 
out in San Diego for so long. I was like, listen, if if the Mets don't beat the Padres before the season, the series even started, and the Mets don't beat the Padres, I, I'm pulling for the Padres to win it all. And then the game three shenanigans go on. And even the game one stuff, the antics of like, you know, sh- like to the camera, like uh, shushing into the camera. And then even game three where it's like Buck calls out Musgrove and wants to check him for foreign sticky substances. Because dude, not sure if you own a mirror, Joe, Mr. Musgrove, your ears are shiny, dude. Super shiny for a cold, dry October night. This ain't like August in Atlanta, my man. This is uh, this is the Flushing Queens October. It's like 50 degrees out. Why are your ears so shiny? Okay. And guaranteed Buck does not do that if the Padres are not pulling the the, the tomfoolery that they're doing in the, in the batter's box calling timeout every other pitch. Um, but then Andrew McCutcheon chimes in on Twitter and even Jerry Blevins saying like, yeah, this it's a little weird that his spin rate is way the hell up. Triple digits or more percentage points. And, you know, McCutcheon saying that Frank's red hot is a thing that pitchers are putting Frank's red hot on their ears because it gives them a little added oomph. I'm like, you know, part of me wishes if I could time travel, I'd go back to like high school or college and just cheat like crazy. Just PEDs and foreign substances out the wazoo until I got that major league contract. And I'd be like, ah, back to fat old lazy Neil doesn't use anything. Oh, natural Neil. <laughs> Here's your seven ERA, bro. Um, so that was interesting. But like Joe Musgrave, Musgrove talking shit and then seeing Manny Machado smiling. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I know you're not supposed to wish ill upon men or injury or something like that, but him getting hurt in that last at bat was was like, that's sweet karma, dude. You were laughing and loving it every every second of, of how you were uh, beating up on the metros and then for you to tweak your your back or whatever the hell it was it's like eh, had that coming bro had it coming so i don't know i mean i'm still i guess i'm still rooting for the padres moving forward i cannot watch the dodgers go to the world series again you know uh really have it very it's very the postseason when the mets aren't in it from the national league perspective is conflicting as hell you know i just don't know who to root for because i hate all those teams it's like i'm glad the cardinals got swept but they got swept by the phillies and now the phillies are up on the on the braves it's like i want the phillies to beat the braves but then it's what i hope it goes phillies padres and the padres take care of business against the philly that's how i hope things turn out just for my health because to see the braves win it again oh see the phillies win it oh see the dodgers win it oh so it's like i kind of have to roll with san diego my hope is that they win the nl and then they just get smoked by whoever comes out of the al yankees included dude i just don't care if the yankees win the world series i honestly don't care although i know like you do see some uh some d-bag yankees fans that do pop up on the timeline and they're like Oh, look at the Mets. Oh, the Mets. And so that 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 is bothersome, but I've I've I think I've pretty much tuned it out at this point. It's like you're in the American League, go do your American League things. You know, I don't I like who owns this town. It's like I don't give a shit about that. Like I just don't want I don't know what it is, but I just don't want the Phillies or Braves to win again. I just don't. I can't bear to think about the freaking Dodgers winning it again. So Padres, congratulations. You a holes for sure. Like you I hate you in the way that you tortured us and then rubbed it in rubbed our faces in our dung in that three game set but just go out there and take care of business and then if you win it all it's like cool <laughs> the Mets would have done better if the Padres didn't make the postseason like if we didn't face the Padres I don't know that's just a spin zone central spin zone extraordinaire over here so I mean early knee jerk pre- premature pre- like preview of the 23 season like I think you need like I can't you can't roll with Carrasco and I hate to say it but I don't even know if you can roll with Walker Um, you know it's just 
you need to take a, a good hard look at your bullpen and your starting rotation and you know the offense i mean it was like all three facets of the game came up fairly short you just can't you need need a reliable dependable one and two and three i mean that's like huge because that's this is what happens you get into a short series like this and you're screwed you know if the so say it does go seven games maybe we get to game seven maybe because we have more depth but you know you just can't have that happen so i don't feel comfortable i really don't feel comfortable going into 2023 with like the grom scherzer ambassador your one, two, three. I really don't. You really got to look at some guys, shop around. And as, as far as the offense goes, um, you know, Lindor, Alonzo, McNeil, Nimmo are your core four. Would have been nice to have a, I mean, who knows what happens if Marte is healthy? That's the other X factor in this whole thing is like, you don't, if you don't lose Marte towards the tail end of the season with the broken hand and he doesn't have to come back and be like pretty much almost half the player he was, even though he was half the player he was when healthy in the postseason, you could still see he made a difference stealing bases and getting on base and whatnot um and making plays and right but i don't understand keeping darren ruff on the postseason roster i don't know what he did for you at all that made you think that he was going to play well in the postseason you know I, i'd rather see naquin you know in the mix but he's a lefty and so uh you know i mean on paper analytics wise ruff makes the is the better decision because he's done so well against the padres in general but against the the lefties but i didn't really see anything that made me think that he was going to be that good and you know some, some interesting decisions and there's going to be a lot of decisions that need to be made going into 2023. So I'm going to quickly look at the contracts that we're looking at. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, so we got a lot of dudes. So um, Lugo's a free agent. I think barring anything crazy, I think you try to bring him back. Although, I mean, he has not been the same kind of pitcher that he was in 2019 and even 2020 to a certain extent. I would love to keep Trevor Williams. I think he's a, you know, I was kind of surprised to not see him on the postseason roster because I think that, or the, uh, the wildcard series roster because I think that he gives you some, he's been, he's kind of like our lifesaver at this point. You know, he's, he's come in and, really tough situations in long relief and, and giving us a chance to win. Adovino's tough. He's 36. You know, he didn't end the season on a great note in the postseason, even though, I mean, he was like pr- pretty much our best setup man for a long, long stretch of the season. So I don't know that, I don't know that you want to bring him back. Um, Naquin, you know, I, it's, I think they're probably going to move on from him. Nimmo has to be resigned. I think that's important throughout it all. And there were, Nimmo went through his slumps. I'll give you that. But they weren't extended slumps and if if everyone else was in a slump it felt like Nimmo was the one guy that was still you know even in game three like putting together you know base knocks getting on base you know at least trying to, to light the spark and ignite the fuse for this offense that just tends to go to sleep at the worst possible spots Diaz is a free agent have to resign May is a free agent he's 32 and he looked pretty damn good like I know he wasn't great when he came back from the injury and then he got COVID and he even tweeted you know he tweeted out you know how much how tough this season was for him mm. it's tough to move on from him because I think that you know especially from what I saw in that was it game one and game three maybe he looked pretty damn good so I don't know I would I would I would lean towards resigning him Drew Smith only 28 he's going to be in arbitration so the, those are the main free agency free agents that you're looking at you know if they let Lugo walk I don't think I'm going to be that pissed off I really don't I think there have been too many times where it's like we needed the Lugo of old to come in and really, you know, be the bridge, so to speak. And and I think he 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 didn't have a ton of holds in those opportunities. So hell, if you if you let Lugo 
Adovino, Naquin, Walk. I think I'm okay. The must signs for me are Nimmo and Diaz. And I would, I'd throw a must sign on friggin' Trevor Williams, dude. I would. He's just a great band-aid. Great stopgap. He stops the bleeding. Drew Smith is arbitration. Guillermo arbitration. Nito, Lucchesi, Rodriguez, McNeil, Alonzo, and Smith. So I think, uh, you know, you'll probably uh, bring back those dudes. And, um, you know, I, I assume that McNeil and Alonzo will get some pretty significant pay bumps. Even Guillermo will probably get a pretty significant pay bump. Um, Vogi, I I don't know how to read this, but I think that there's a team option on Volgaback for $1.5 million. Honestly, I think you pick it up. And I know people are, were really down on him because uh, he kind of came back down to earth like right after the trade. I think he was, you couldn't have asked for anything more out of Volgaback. I just think he's a good clubhouse guy. And uh, true, he didn't really come up clutch in most situations in the postseason or in the in that series against the Braves. But I still think uh, his relationship with Lindor and Alonzo are just good for the clubhouse. And I think, yeah. And it's not that expensive. $1.5 million. And he can be a lefty DH against righties. And who knows how it, how, how it turns out when he's got a whole whole season with the team. So I would I would pick I would pick that up. Darren Ruff, we have to pay him three million dollars next year. Jesus friggin' Christ. <sighs> That, that that's got to be an all-time bad trade and then you have um, a six million dollar player option for Taiwan Walker <sighs> hard to see what which way Walker's gonna go with that it really is hard to see because <sighs> I just don't know I think he likes playing with the team I don't know how he felt about being initially left off the wild card series roster only to be put back on when Rodriguez had went down with the injury or couldn't couldn't play so I don't know if he takes that. Six million is not, maybe he thinks he can get more. I don't know. He might think he can get more. So I wouldn't be surprised if he decides, declines that. But it'll be a good a good judge of character. It's like, hey man, do you want to be part of a roster that you know can win a ton of games and and has that potential to get to the World Series if, if we can just make some adjustments here or there? So, I mean, I would like to have him back even, you know, after saying that he's probably a five in our rotation if we want to be realistic. I think he gives you some decent innings here or there. Um, maybe he's another guy that you move to the bullpen. I don't know. We got Escobar for another season, which um, I don't hate. I think if he can be a little more consistent throughout the season and not be such a streaky guy, I think that's a we're pretty solid there at third base. Mark Canna, eleven point five million dollars. I was kind of kind of disappointed in in Canna in the postseason. I think there were a ton of spots where it's like he had the opportunity to drive in runs or get on base and he didn't. Especially against Atlanta, especially against San Diego. I mean, you know, uh, I know he had that one streak where he was just untouchable, winning games against Philly and then in Oakland, and and it uh, it gave you a lot of hope and it made you think, okay, this is the right move. Then you know, again, in clutch situations when uh, we needed wins, it felt like he didn't come up big. Even that like long at bat he had, I think in Game One against Darvish, where it's like he, the count when it's double digit pitches, the type of swings he was putting on the ball. And the contact it was making didn't really inspire confidence. It was like, I don't see this ending in a hit. <laughs> I see this ending in an out. It's like, I'm glad that we got the pitch count up. I'm glad, but I just don't, I don't think a lot of his swings really, uh, a lot of check swings, a lot of timid swings. Didn't seem like he had a lot of confidence in the box. James McCann. I mean, we got to pay this motherfucker for two more years. Oh my God. $12.15 million. And there are people talking about how they might just go the, the Robinson Cano route and just be like, well, we can't get anything for him. We're going to 
UDFA. I'm brutal to eat that kind of contract. But I mean, he just was not giving you anything at all. You know, I know there, there was some chatter about, you know, his last regular season uh, at bat or game where it's like his bat came alive. And it's like, if this is the McCann we get for the postseason, fantastic. But he didn't. Carrasco is a 14 million team option. Decline. Hard decline. Um, you know, I think it's it's great. His story is great. You know, coming back from uh, cancer. Um, and but no, I just can't. There's we have better options out there. So I think um, we decline that option. There's a 19 million dollar mutual option for Chris Bassett. He's 33. He talked a big game, but when it mattered most, again, it's Braves Padres. He came up short. I don't even know what a mutual option is. I guess they get in a room and they say, "Hey, here's what we're thinking. What are you thinking?" But I would be, I would lean towards no from the team. And maybe he says yes because he's like, "I need to make up for this." And maybe that convinces the team to kind of come around on it. But if they do pick up this option, he's not your three. He's not your two. He's not your one. So I would be, I would take a good hard look at that. And I would, and my initial thought is pass. And I know that's recency bias, and maybe a whole offseason will change my mind. But recency bias says, uh, I no thank you. You just can't put up that kind of performance back to back when we need you the most, especially after all that talk. <laughs> about how New York is a tough market. And you kind of almost think that the market did get to him. And so he was talking tough because he was insecure about what was going on. Maybe, I don't know. We got Marte for um, three more seasons, which I love now, but you kind of have to wonder given his injury history and his body, like he's in peak physical condition. He's like, you look at the dude and he's just like, looks like he's would never get hurt. And then he's he missed a fair chunk of games this year. So, you know, are you... <sighs> How do you feel about paying almost $21 million a year for the next three seasons for a guy that's going to give you maybe 120 games a year? And so it's like, you know, it's tough because it, you didn't get a good barometer or measuring stick with this postseason. Dude was hurt. He had a broken hand, was playing like a half, you know, uh, 50% basically can't really grip a ball can't really grip the bat you can see like he's gutting it out and I, I admire the fuck out of that but at the same time like if that's going to be an every year annual thing it's tough it's a tough pill to swallow we have DeGrom for next year as a team option for 24 I, I thought there was a player option for 23 and maybe he or maybe he can opt out Um, you know already talking in that last start game two against the Padres he's talking about this might be the the thought crossed my mind. This might be the last time that I pitch for the Mets. Like, dude, what? Why is that thought crossing your mind? Going into the a pivotal elimination game. What? So that makes me think he is going to opt out. And you know what? That hurts because I, I really want to see him get a ring. Just like I wanted to see David Wright get a ring. But at the same time, if, that, if that's your thought process and that's your mentality, maybe we're better off. I know it's fucking insane to say. And I hate myself for saying it. But maybe we are just better off. If he if this is if we were talking about his opt out, opt out before this season, it just feels like it's coming to a head and, and it feels like, all right, I don't know. And if you're Steve Cohen and you, you, you're a smart dude and you're not, you're, and like he said, you're not going to spend like a drunken sailor. You made your big time investment and that big time investment was Francisco Lindor. You took a gamble on Max Scherzer and you paid him a ridiculous annual, you know, annual salary because you thought that he was going to be, uh, that one, two punch was going to be it. And I got to say, after this season, it looks like the gamble is not going to pay off. So unless you have like some serious discussions with Max and Jake and be like, listen, uh, we know where your head's at. We know what you've been able to do in your career. We respect all that. The talk is over, though. You have to kind of now perform. And so I wouldn't be like, you can't go into the season with them as one and two. I can't say it enough. I can't say it enough. Um, and then you have Lindor at $34.1 million for the next goddamn years. So, I mean, and you know, and Lindor put up career numbers this year. Huge bounce back year from over 2021. And you could see there are games where he can take it over. You 
can take over the game. Do I think that, you know, is he worth the contract? He's getting close. <laughs> I mean, he's getting close offensively and even defensive, defensively. I think he's getting close to being that, to earning that contract. But you still have a, a healthy swath of Mets fans that are like, he's not worth it. And you can see why. Because while you have, um, you know, it's just like, you can't do what you did in game three. You can't do what you did in game one. Same goes for Alonzo. Uh, and then Scherzer, $43.3 million. So it's, it's, that's a tough pill to swallow for, for Steve Cohen. Because you could very easily go into next season with a different one and two and three in your starting rotation, but your highest earners are your third and fourth starters or possibly your the highest of the highest paid middle relief setup guys, alternate closers in the universe. So, um, you know, I would like to see them invest. So people talk about investing and this is where, I mean, this is off the wall. I get it. And I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just some fat ass in Jersey. I get it. But wouldn't put it past Steve Cohen to be like, you know what? I know we got a lot of money tied up and sure and DeGrom to give us 150 innings in the season and to be almost locked down, you know, you can almost guarantee a W every time they go out in the regular season. Thinking about investing more on the offensive side of the ball and saying to yourself, okay, we have McNeil and Alonzo and Lindor and Nimmo. If we can get those four guys back, we have Marte. That's five. What are you doing with those four other positions? So Escobar is a lock. So now you're looking at, you just can't get out of these contracts though, I don't think, you know? I guess I guess that that's the argument against Nimmo is that he is a free agent is he really giving you the kind of numbers i mean he's a top 10 across the board in every offensive statistic statistical category so i guess what are you what are you really hoping for and i guess that's the argument against vogelback so i guess look in in retrospect having gone through the entire roster contracts and the payroll i guess you do have to like decline vogelback and say or you bring him back for on the cheap for 1.5 and then you say we need the best right-handed dh in the game but as of uh, as of right now, it, it's not looking good for Vogelback to come back. Now that I'm now that I'm looking at it and considering all the options, because your money you have, you know, Marte's signed for 2023, McCann is signed, is signed. So we we are in on some contracts that are tough to get out of. So you know, is Guillaume the guy that you have a lot of confidence in heading into 2023? You know, I think it is. Is it really one bat? It's coming down to that one bat, mm. and that and that's where we're at. I mean, people are saying that the Mets are going to sign Judge. I mean, that would be the one bat. Yeah, that would be it. So I guess I could take a brief look at the MLB free agents, top free agents. Let's take a look at the, let's take a look at the, let's take at the, let's take a look at the uh, starting pitchers. Let's fucking go, dude. Trevor Bauer, no. <laughs> um, I mean, the market value, according to Spot Track on DeGrom is 41.88, $41.9 million a year, which I guess you would think is a steal compared to Scherzer at 43. I just don't know. That's a lot of money to tie up in a guy who, um, yeah, will get you a lot of wins in the regular season. But, you know, again, I just don't think, I think he's on the the back end of his career, the tail end of his career. I mean, and that's why I was talking to my brother-in-law about this. You have to give props to someone like Nolan Ryan. That dude was pitching till 40-41 and still throwing no hitters. Like, unreal. And still had some life on his fastball. That's the other thing that you start to notice about Scherzer is like, this guy's not throwing 94, 95, 96 anymore that consistently. He's He's really topping out at 92, 93, especially towards the tail end of the season, which means he has to rely more on his other pitches. And you could see like his changeup and his slider didn't have any bite. And the, the Padres were teeing off on that. So, you know, Verlander, again, 
almost 40. No thanks. Carlos Rodon is a lefty. Gonna be 30, 31 million dollars. Hmm. That's intriguing. You know, they need to give that a lot of thought. To have a nice lefty starter in the mix would be pretty sweet. And he's not that old. Syndergaard can go F himself. Adam Reinwright, no thanks. Clayton Kershaw, 35 years old. No, no, no. Nathan Evaldi is gonna be 33. Meh, meh. You know, Granky's going to be 40. Aaron Nola is going to be 30. Mm, Sonny Gray is going to be 33. Severino's 29. Paxson's 34. Um, you know, Sean Manea is going to be 31. Uh, lefty. Chris Bassett's market value is going to be $21 million. Andrew Heaney. Lefty starter. 11 million. Blech. So you can see like what we're dealing with here is like a lot of like aging arms. Michael, Michael Waka's market value is $12 million. Jesus Christ. So, you know, I don't know that I'm really crazy about a ton of those names on the free agent list for the, in the starting pitcher market. Um, so, I mean, Wilson Contreras in terms of catchers, if you're looking to supplant McCann, just eat that contract, which it looks like it might be heading that way. You know, you have uh, Wilson Contreras yet again, now at age 30 in the Cubs market. Market value of 16 million a year. You know, a lot of guys that are, you know, in their 30s. I don't know that there's a ton of names out there that you're really chomping at the bit for other than Contreras, as far as I can see. So that's tough. Designated hitters, you know, Jay Martinez is 35. His market value is 15 mil. Jorge Soler is going to be 31. McCutcheon's 36. You know, Pujols, no thanks. Volgaback is your youngest option at 30. And he's, it looks like he's going to be your cheapest option. So that's tough, man. I, you know, I don't think there's a whole lot out there. Aaron Judge, I guess that's the guy, right? Just go in on Aaron Judge, you know? I mean, maybe you look at, I mean, do you consider signing a Trey Turner or even ugh, Dansby Swanson? And then you move McNeil to the outfield and you got to say to like, and you got to platoon him with Canna. Say like McNeil goes, starts in the outfield against righties. Canna starts in the outfield against lefties. And then Escob, like, I don't know. Escobar and Canna initially you think pretty solid signings but it's like kind of hindering your your ability to make moves because you're locked in on them and you could be losing out on others so man that fucking sucks (laughs) so it's tough I mean barring any major catastrophes I think we make the playoffs again next year but you have to wonder like knowing seeing what happened to us towards the end of this season and in the postseason you know you do need some like one to two bats one to two bullet bullpen arms I think and then you gotta look at one and two starting pitchers I know that's fucking nuts but like what what about what happened against the Braves and Padres makes you feel good about coming like running it back with DeGrom and Scherzer as you want to okay so maybe not two starting pitchers I feel a lot better if Scherzer I guess Scherzer's your two and DeGrom's your three or DeGrom's your two and Scherzer's your three I feel better about that and then have a definitive number one workhorse that's like this is the guy who's gonna get us that game one win that vaulted necessary required game one win that's the guy that they need because Scherzer and DeGrom aren't it I'm sorry I love him love DeGrom obviously way more but you know and Bassett it's like I, you know I'm I think I'm okay with moving on from Bassett I really am and that's probably just me being sour grapes but I'm sour and I need uh the new day to come tell me stop being sour and feel the power all right yeah I've I've now reached my innings limit I've reached my I've reached my pitch count for the, for the game for the season for the series thank you so much for listening I appreciate you I really do and let's go Mets and let's go big blue let's let's have let's continue the good vibes let's keep building on what we've got going I mean Jesus you had asked me last year at this time hey Giants will be four and one Mets made the postseason How, what are your thoughts on that and I'd be like you yeah, know that's pretty good I mean I, I would take this and that's how and you know a lot of 
a lot of uh, other fan bases calling us poverty franchises. Yeah, you know what? We're impoverished a little bit, and we're starving, and we're hungry, and we're thirsty, and uh, we're you know trying to get off the food stamps. But goddamn, it tastes good right now. It's delicious. But now we've had a taste, and now we want more. So let's get more. All right. Till next week. Adios, muchachos. Yeah. <laughs>